welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, I talk with head coach of the Maine women's hockey team, Molly Engstrom. We discuss her amazing playing career, which includes two Olympics, several world championships, and a long professional career. We also talk about her plans for the Maine Black Bears team, including what kind of player she looks for when recruiting. This was an awesome conversation with Molly, so I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to today's amazing episode, I wanted to talk to you about the app part of Champs app. Did you know that there are over 30 NCAA coaches with Champs app profiles that you can connect with directly? These include coaches from every D1 conference. Champs app lets you create a free, beautiful online hockey resume to share with coaches, teams, and players. Your profile includes all the information coaches want to know to help decide if you are a player they want to keep on their recruiting radar. When you connect with coaches, they will receive automatic updates when you change your profile, add game or video, or alert them to upcoming games on your schedule. Just go to champs.app and click the sign up button to start your profile. You can check out the full list of the NCAA coaches using Champs app by clicking on the links in the show notes. I'm very excited to have on the podcast Molly Engstrom, head coach of the University of Maine women's hockey team. Hailing from Siren, Wisconsin, Molly played defense for four years at Wisconsin, collecting 85 points and was a Patty Caz finalist. She then went on to represent the U.S. on the women's national team, including playing in two Olympic Games and several world championships before playing professional hockey in the U.S., Canada, and Sweden. Her coaching career includes stops at Wisconsin and Kimball Union Academy before spending four years at St. Cloud State as an assistant. Then in August of 2022, she was named head coach for the Black Bears. So welcome to the podcast, Molly. Thank you. I had to cut out a lot of stuff from your background because there's just so much there and you're highly accomplished. But <laughs> why don't we start at the beginning and why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your hockey background, how you developed a passion and ended up being such a great hockey player. Yeah, I so I grew up in Siren, you know, like you said, and it's a very small town in northwestern Wisconsin. Um, and I grew my passion for hockey there, you know, pretty simple. I started skating as a result of my older brother skating, and we started on an outdoor rink actually at that time. Um, and then I just played on the boys' team through the mini mites, squirts, and peewees. I was able to get involved with the women's game in Minnesota uh, for the Minnesota Thoroughbreds. Uh, tried out for a boys team. And then I think one of the dads in the stands, you know, said, hey, there's a pretty good girl on the ice. And that's how I got involved with Minnesota hockey. And that's been a, a blessing of a relationship, obviously, now being in coaching and having such a, a strong relationship with, with the people there. And then I went to Culver Academies. So I moved away from um, Siren my junior and senior year, and then I ended up at the University of Wisconsin. So let me dial it back just a little bit. So yeah. um, what do you think was the key to you be becoming such a great defender? What, what was the key to your development along the way? Was it coaches? Was it just playing on the outdoor rinks with boys? Was it you just had a passion and you you just you know wanted to be on the ice all day? What was it do you think was critical to your success and, de and development? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And I love that word because I love development now as a coach for kids. So for me to think about it when I was a kid um, and through college and through the national team, I just love the game and I love to play it. I love to be with it. Um, again, I grew up on an outdoor rink. We didn't have a lot of resources. So played a lot of shinny, um, 
at that time, I mean, our, our, um, seasons were only three months long, you know, or four months long, however long we had the ice when we could freeze it in the fall and when it melted in the spring. So, uh, but I think also a big, a huge part of my development was just being in a multi-sport athlete, you know, being a, an athlete in general. So you learn, you know, different strategies in different sports, but you also throughout childhood, you develop your balance, you develop your hand-eye coordination when you're doing other things. And I just, I played a lot of sports. I spent a lot of time outside. Um, and then, like you mentioned, I had a plethora, just like a long list of really great coaches from being in that small town all the way up through girls hockey and then college and so forth. So, uh, yeah, pretty lucky. Wow. So um, I want to understand how you ended up at Wisconsin. What was interesting for me when I was researching you is you actually got to Wisconsin before Mark Johnson. So yeah. how did you, I mean, he's been there forever and yet you, yeah. you, you predated him by one year. So maybe, and, but, yeah. but Dan Cook was there uh, yep. as part of uh, that, that initial team. So, and he's still there 20 something years later. So yeah. maybe just talk about that recruiting process from Culver Academies and how you ended up at Wisconsin. Yeah, so Tracy Cornell was there as well, Tracy DeKaiser now. So the current coaching staff at Wisconsin was, you know, it's Dan, Mark, and Jackie Friesen. And Jackie Friesen was a teammate of mine. So the only missing piece there was Tracy DeKaiser, and she recruited me. She was my main recruiter from Culver. Um, but... Yeah, I just, you know, said yes to Wisconsin, really happy to stay home in my home state. And then Mark Johnson, we had um, we had coached my freshman year. And then Dan and Tracy were interim coach for the second half of my freshman year. And then they were looking for the new coach. And then Mark uh, came in my sophomore year. And, and what makes Mark such a special coach? Obviously, you know, winning multiple championships, uh, including yeah. you know, his seventh one last, last week. Um, you know, what makes him such an exceptional coach? Oh, gosh. I mean, obviously, he knows so much about the game, but I think his ability to teach it um, to the players, his ability to create an environment for us to thrive in, I think is always something that when I think about my experience there and I think about, you know, kind of turning, developing into the player that I became, um, you know, we were in an environment to compete. We were we were in an environment where we were allowed to express ourselves, you know, and go hard, compete, uh, be creative. Uh, it was fun coming to the rink. So, you know, those are the things that I try to bring with me, you know, as a coach. Um, because, and I think Mark Johnson even said it in an interview one time, you know, if, if Molly would have you know, foreseen herself on the national team someday, she may not believe it kind of a thing. And I think that's just a testament to, to A, you know, my um, commitment to the game and my commitment to, you know, the development piece of it. Like I stuck with it and, and I wanted to be around it again. I didn't get burned out in college and I, that's a testament to Mark, you know, and the environment that he created for us. So really, really grateful, obviously, to, to even have, you know, to have been coached by him and spent that much time with him because then in 2010 he was a coach for that team as well so we spent that whole year prior to that with him as well so you you led into my kind of next question is getting into the olympics and playing on the u.s national team um so what does it take to be an elite 
defender to play at that level? Because uh, it sounds like you, 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 when you first got to Wisconsin, you may not have thought that was possible, but obviously yeah. it was possible. So what was it that, you know, you were able to do and that, and in terms of your mindset, you were able to develop to get to that level of excellence? Yeah. You know, when you say that, like that, you know, maybe, maybe didn't think you could be that your freshman year to be totally honest with you. I wasn't thinking about that, you know, and that was kind of the, you know, getting, getting invited to the USA hockey camps. It was like, do I think I can do this? I'm such a present moment person. And I think that is what helped me become, you know, one of the best is that I focused on the present moment. So if I needed to get faster, that's what I focused on. You know, if I needed to work on my shot, if I needed to work on coming across the blue line, you know, harder, if I needed to work on my two on ones, like that's what I did. And so when you just continue to put the building blocks together, all of a sudden you find yourself there. And I think that, that that's what got me there, um, is the day in and the day out. And I would say that's what it takes to become, you know, one of those players and, and find yourself a spot on one of those teams. And, and, you know, we've had multiple uh, former players who are now coaches on the podcast that, that went through the process of the, the selection process. Some of them made it to the Olympic yep. team. Some of them didn't. And they talked about the mm -hmm. stress involved. Um, what was that like that first time of making the Olympic team for you? Uh, was it something that you felt like, yeah, that was within, you know, probably going to happen? Or do you feel like, oh, wow, I, you need to work for every inch to make that team? Yeah, you definitely have to work for every inch always. And I, but I think when I made my first Olympic team, it was really exciting. Um, I, I remember feeling, I didn't feel so stressed and, and I, maybe because I felt like I was playing well at the time, you know, I had played in a couple world championships up to that point, I think, in you know, 04 and 05. Um, and so, but I just remember it being so exciting. It was like, wow, this is a thing and this is happening right now. Nice, nice. So I, I could go on for another hour just talking to you about your time yeah. with the, the U.S. team and, and your playing days. Um, I do want to kind of transfer a little bit more to your, your professional uh, career because uh, you yeah. had a long professional career and you had a lot of firsts. Um, I won't talk about your the first first from the NWHL as being the first player suspended in the NWHL. We'll, we'll, we'll move right past that one. Um, uh, I will talk about you scoring the game-winning goal um, against the uh, Mississauga Chiefs in the inaugural CWHL championship. So yeah. maybe just talk about what it was like, you know, uh, raising the trophy and, and uh, just going through that experience as a professional. Yeah, that was a special moment. You know, that is probably the moment that I remember least about playing up there. Again, just being a process person and a, a you know, and a present moment person, those were some of the my the most fun times I had training. I mean, it, those were so. I was right in the thick of my training then. I was with the national team, you know, making national teams, making the Olympic team, and being up there just in hockey country uh, was really special. Um, just the way they treat the game, the players that I was able to play uh, with. And against, you know, my job on the U.S. national team was to defend the best players, the best forwards in the world. And I was able to do that um, day in and day out in practice up there with Jaina Hefford and Sherry Piper and, um, you know, Vicky Sonahara even. I don't know how many people remember that name, but it was. Oh, to the University of Toronto uh, women's yeah. team right now. Yes, yeah, so I know exactly yeah. who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Great time.
<laughs> All right. So uh, you were there for, I believe, the start of the NWHL when it first got formed. Uh, you know, they were uh, having some ups and downs while you were there. And as, as a result, you kind of needed to leave and, and, and go play in Sweden. Um, yep. But, you know, uh, very recently, in fact, I think it was yesterday that the uh, PHF had their championship, obviously NWHL renamed to the PHF. Um, I wonder, now that you look back on it several years later, um, what's your perspective on where the PHF is PHF is today compared to when you left to go to play in Sweden? To be honest, I'm not all that well connected with the PHF right now. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I did end up going over to Sweden. So I left, you know, the North American game. And then as I've gotten back, I've been in college hockey. So there's, you know, they're different businesses. Um, but I will say that first year in the NWHL was so fun. I mean, it, it was the first year and, and there was so much buzz around it. All the national team players, you know, all the best players in the world at that time, you know, were in it for the most part. Um, so really had a blast with that. And you can see the game growing in every respect. So I imagine the PHF right now is as the NCAA is, it's just getting better and better. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, it's my understanding there is something called the Molly Engstrom Award. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about what that's all about and uh, who it gets awarded to? Yeah, so that's, um, they asked me, it's it's an honor, obviously, they named the best um, defenseman coming out of Wisconsin high school hockey, the Molly Engstrom Award, and so they picked a, a couple of people who, with high accomplishments, I think it's the Janelle Sergey Award, who I coached with and was on the team with in 2010, as the best forward, and I think Jesse Vetter might be the um, best goalie. So yeah, they they handpicked a couple of us, and and that's what that's all about. That's awesome. And uh, do you get to present directly yourself the award to to the winner? I haven't yet. No, um, I haven't been there uh, during any of that. I have written a couple of the kids, you know, knowing who's won and just saying congratulations. But gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, let's transition now to your coaching career. Um, Obviously, one of the first uh, um, coaching gigs that you had was at Wisconsin, and then you you went over to Kimball Union Academy. Maybe talk about your interest in coaching and then kind of your career path on the coaching side of things. Yeah, so when I came back to the States, I got that job at Kimball Union, and that was my first team, really. Um, I loved it. You know, I did that for two years. And the, what pulled me away from that job was the opportunity to play in the NWHL, the inaugural NWHL. So when I finally got done playing, I went back home and then that the job at St. Cloud opened up really fortunate to land that. And at that time, I really wanted to be close to home. So that really worked out for me. Uh, yeah, spent the three years there. I learned a lot uh, and realized that my love and interest for coaching was just very strong. So so what is it about coaching that, that you love so much that you discovered about yourself? Yeah, I, it just brings me back to the love that I have for the game. Like, I, I I loved playing. You know, I had so much fun from every respect, from the per, the player development, personal development standpoint, the training, um, and then the team aspect of it. And what, what my role is as an individual, you know, player within that system. So um, now, you know, being able to try to help the girls get – to you know reach their potential you know get them organized on both of those levels is just a lot of fun to me 
Awesome, awesome. All right, so um, maybe you could just talk about the, uh, the the process of you ending up at Maine. So I, I knew there was this whole weird um, thing going on with uh, St. Cloud State where yeah. they, they, um, the, the coach was relieved of his duties and then they went through the process of looking for a new coach, but they were announcing the finalists for the position publicly, which was just a little weird to me. Um, and it ended up, Brian Adolski ended up getting the role. And then at yeah. Maine, um, you know, the, the, the coaches ended up leaving kind of suddenly over the summer. Maybe just talk about that whole kind of um, uh Sequence of events, shall we say, yeah. that last summer. <laughs> that whole mess. <laughs> no, it was, uh, yeah, once once the job opened up at St. Cloud, you know, I just, I, I wanted to apply for it. You know, I felt like, you know, I felt like I can do this. You know, I, I felt like I was in a position to really put myself out there. And, um, yeah, once it didn't go my way, I... I was kind of back and forth about staying and trying to give it a chance and then leaving. And ultimately I tried to give it a chance and I just realized like it wasn't going to work out. Um, so at that point, I actually left St. Cloud before I had anything else lined up, you know, and kind of go back to that. Like you got, I live in the present moment, you know, and either something was going to come up that was, that was, Right. Or I was just, I, I realized I may just have to kind of wait this out because it was so late. Uh, and then when the job opened up at Maine late, I was like, wow, okay. Um, so I ended up on the phone with Ken Ralph and then ended up getting this position. And I hurried up, got all my stuff from St. Cloud, put it in a U-Haul and drove out here. And I, I showed up on a Friday night and I ran practice on a Saturday morning. Wow. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I think we were playing, you know, two weeks later. So it happened really fast. Wow. Okay. So uh, before we get into the details of you actually coaching the team, maybe just give folks a little bit of background about the University of Maine, obviously located in Orono, Maine, or close to Bangor, um, and you yep. play in the Hockey East. Maybe just talk about the school, the students, um, population, the different uh, majors that, uh, you know, the schools are really good at. Maybe, you know, tell folks more about University of Maine. Yeah, typically, well, there's about 11,000 students here. And when I got here, I was surprised at how big the campus is. You know, it's not a small school and it's not an enormous school, but I would say the campus and the acreage is more like a big school, um, probably a little bit more grass than the inner city schools, obviously. Um, but yeah, typical majors, um, you know, we have we have students in business, we have um students in dietitian, like they are, they want to be dietitians for master's degree. We hear, um, at least, and I know it's not possible in all schools, but they can juggle being nursing and being a hockey player, which I know you can in a lot of places. But yeah, other than that, typical um, business, um, communications, that kind of thing. And uh, what about the women's ice hockey facilities? The uh, not just the rink, but also the training facilities and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Elfond uh, rink actually, we're getting a new, um, a new big time renovation, which has I think it just went um, or is on its way to going through and getting passed. So we're gonna start getting renovations, I believe, this summer um, on the lighting and the sound. And then the bigger kind of underbelly renovations are going to be coming within, I think, the next two years. So that's super exciting. I mean, to play in the Alphon, there's a lot of history here for Maine hockey. Obviously, more on the men's side. So it's really fun for me to be here. 
Um, you can feel it every time you're in the Alphon. And then the opportunity to build something on the women's side, um, it's great. I think one of the biggest differences for me coming from St. Cloud, because that was my only experience, um, it's really fun to be around all Division One sports. You know, uh, only men's and women's hockey is Division One at St. Cloud. So that was a huge transition for me. Um, so we go to the basketball games. Um, you know, we have football here. So it's fun. And a historically really strong men's team as well. So that yeah. goes along with the women's team. So, um, so you didn't get the chance to, you know, you, you, you haven't had any uh, recruiting classes yet, obviously, since you, you started with the team so late, but you were able to fill out your coaching staff. Maybe just talk about Jen Richardson and Christy Hussey um, and how they ended up on your staff and, and the different roles they play on your team. Yeah, uh, really lucky there. Um, again, with the late hire, I think we all wrapped all of that up within two weeks. Um, and again, if I don't know what coach is available in September, you know, let alone two assistant coaches. So Kirsty has she took a, had taken a couple of years off. She spent some time coaching at UConn um, and Brown. And yeah, she's just been a blessing. She's so good. And I feel really feel lucky to have her. And then Jen Richardson hasn't been coaching. Um, she, we met at USA 16, 17 camp and she just had she told me she had this fire to get into coaching. So she kind of got out of it for, you know, better than 15 years. And so when I was looking for a coach, I gave her a call and she was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so Jen's been with the D this year and then Kiersey was with the forwards this year. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So now that you got your kind of coaching staff set up and, and, you know, you're, you're heading into your second year, um, you had a pretty good first year, all things considered 15 and 18 and two, that's pretty good. Um, you know, yeah. it's kind of consistent with where the team has been the, the previous years. Um, yeah. what, what's your kind of strategy for how you're going to kind of move up the rankings and, and what's your long-term strategy for the team? Uh, what's the style of play? What's the, um, different kind of players that you're looking for? What's, what's, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, we did have a pretty good year. Um, we were able to take some games from some of the teams that were ranked um, in Hockey East, the ECAC. Um, so overall, I think the girls, I mean, we gave a good effort. We, in terms of, you know, where we want to take this program, like we want to climb to the top of Hockey East is where we want to go, you know, and, and beyond if we can. So um, style of play, I mean, I say I mean the way that I kind of say it is you know I'm the one that has to watch the game like we got to stand there and watch the game so if I got to sit there and watch a game of hockey I want it to be a kind of a style that I enjoy watching um which to me is fast it's fast paced puck moving um possession you know getting the the girls to shoot the puck um yeah Find the seams, you know, I, I don't like a lot of standing around. So that's the direction that we're headed. And, and I think that's how we run practices. You know, it's, it's high pace to push them um, to the next level and sort of beyond. Gotcha. And, and I, I saw just looking at some statistics from your team, uh, I would guess a goal scoring or getting a higher percentage of goal scoring uh, versus the number of shots is a, is a priority for you. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we're, we're going to have a pretty new team next year. You know, there's there's a handful that are coming back and there's a handful that are moving on. So um, 
you know, between, I know you were going to kind of touch on this, the transfer portal, but between the freshmen that we have coming in and potentially some transfer students, we're hoping to find a, a good balance between the younger players and the older players. Gotcha. And I, if I remember correctly from my conversation with, with Janelle about St. Cloud State, there was a whole bunch of international students that, that played at St. Cloud State. And I do know that historically there's been a lot of international students at Maine uh, this past year, Italy, Germany, Denmark, Switzerland, Finland, and even Canada. Um, so uh, I'm just wondering, is that also still going to be part of your strategy, especially with your connections to having played overseas? Yeah, when it's appropriate, you know, when it's the right fit, um, we will definitely, and we are, you know, we'll continue to look into Europe, you know, and obviously Canada. So, you know, I don't know if we'll hit it quite as hard necessarily as the former coaches have, you know, as of right now, we're not bringing in any um, new international students in, um, I shouldn't say international European students in. So, but yeah, it's a door that just like any other door, you know, we want to keep our foot in the door and, and like you said, having played over there, have pretty good relationships. So I want to keep that going. Gotcha. And I know there's some, been some rule changes recently, um, which allows for more contact in the women's game. And I'm guessing you're, you're, you kind of welcome that based on what I know about your game. Um, yeah. So what's your perspective on, on uh, including that in, in kind of the, the, the way you want your team to play? Yeah, I don't mind it at all. You know, it's, I think any coach would say like, it's just finding the, hopefully the consistency in the calls, you know, and I think as everybody's transitioning, to more contact, but yeah, I don't mind it at all. Um, I like, I like the hits, you know, I like being able to, you know, use your body. It's uh, just like anybody. I think it's just the stick work that is frustrating. You know, it's like, you know, as a defenseman who's played the game, you know, when you get beat and you use your stick, like at that point I've gotten beat you know, and I'm using my stick to hook or whack. And so when that stuff goes on, it's hard to, it's hard to watch. Um, now, if I'm, if I've got good gap and I can get my body in front of that player, I've done my job as far as I'm concerned, you know, I've, I'm still in pace. I haven't gotten beat. Um, so I think it's, it's the more of the stick work stuff that is frustrating for me personally. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm assuming you're going to, at some point over the summer or in the fall, you're going to have a bunch of prospective recruits come on campus. Um, and part of your job is to sell them on coming to Maine. So what would, yeah. you, what would your pitch be like to say, here's why you should come and play uh, for Maine, for the Black Bears and for Molly Engstrom? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're invested. We're invested in, in each one of the players. We're growing a program. It's the same reason that I took the job here, which is it's an incredible opportunity. My dad always said, you know, when opportunity comes knocking on your front door, you don't want to be in the backyard picking four, four leaf clovers. <laughs> you know, nice. so I mean, that's just I think that's an incredible quote. Again, that's why I took the job. We're we're excited about the program. You know, we're making changes from a personnel standpoint and we're getting our players, all of our players, you know, to play at a high level. And if I'm a hockey player, that's what it, that's what I'm interested in. Gotcha. OK, so I got a very important question for you. Who would win a fight between a black bear and a brown bear? Oh, black bear for sure. OK, just making sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any other answer? <laughs> um Right. So one other thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years is that historically the Maine women's program has not really had a strong social media presence. Is that something that uh, you, you, you kind of shifted uh, your focus on? Because it, it's dialed up a little bit, um, but I'm sure there's probably more you, you, you'll, you'll be able to start doing over the summer. Yeah, um, I didn't 
realize that, you know, um, not having strong social media presence, you know, I didn't look back in the archives, but I did notice that when I got the job and I think I jumped on Facebook, um, there weren't updates from, uh, I think the last one was 2021 or something like that. So yeah, I, it was something I noticed immediately and there's no reason to not have that presence and to build relationships. That's what this is all about. Relationship support. Anytime we can disseminate information and, um, yeah, stay, keep people up to date and stay entertaining. It's, it's the way to be nowadays. So. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So now I'd like to transition more into the recruiting side of things. Um, we're at the point right now uh, when this comes out, basically nationals will, will be ending from uh, the playoffs at the, at the uh, girls hockey level. Um, what is it that you and your team and in general, just coaches are doing at that point as they prepare for a recruiting season? Um, towards, sorry, just for clarification, what are we doing towards the end of the season here to prepare for a summer? Yeah, what are you doing now that the season's over, uh, especially yeah, yeah. NCAA is over, and the youth, the, the girls' hockey is is yeah. now ending. Um, what are you doing to prepare to uh, to ramp up your recruiting efforts? Yeah, I, I mean we 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 aren't necessarily ramping them up. I would say you know it's it's our first year, so we've been everywhere, and so we've been hitting it hard even through the season. So it's just kind of you know how we're doing it right now. But yeah, we'll we'll we're hitting the road. We have been hitting the road. We'll be at nationals for sure. Um, and then, you know, you slide into to showcases. Uh, we want to make sure that that we're getting out as as much as we can. So we're seeing as much as we can. And that so people know that um, that we're out there as well. And just from, you know, helping educate the parents and the players that that uh, that listen to this podcast, you know, what is that process like? Like, are you trying to figure out here's how many players we need for this coming fall? Uh, or, or sorry, I probably should say the fall of 2025. And are you kind of lining up kind of here's what those those positions we want to fill with? Here's here's who we have in the pipeline. Yeah, so we're we're working on and that's the thing you when you come into a program essentially because we can already contact the 2025s in june we're recruiting three classes in one year i mean there's no other way to say it so it's been a lot 23 24 25 25 coming up um you know that's where we're at. i think we're excited as a staff like once we get our team set for next year i mean it's just it's been a long recruiting season and it's been a lot and there's been a lot of change um, so I think we're really looking forward to that and moving forward. Gotcha. <laughs> so now I'm going to ask you the uh, the transfer portal question. So um, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of players go into the transfer portal. We've also seen some big names, some top players at uh, at their programs uh, put their names in. I'm not going to mention any specific teams, but what's your perspective on kind of these um, what I would call, you know, uh, top 10 teams, uh, basically recruiting these top players from these other programs and, and how that's impacting just the overall recruiting process. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and I think to a large degree, we're all trying to figure it out at the same time. Um, and just trying to, uh, keep up, I think, you know, it's, it's all new. I mean, the COVID thing is, is obviously in the whole, obviously new and the whole grad year, the extra year, 
So, you know, we're, we're trying to manage it just like anybody else. The transfer portal is very interesting. And I think it does allow an opportunity, you know, like, like I said, if, if, if we're bringing in eight freshmen right now, which is what we have in line, um, instead of adding, you know, four more freshmen, if you can bring in a 21 year old senior or two of them or three of them to sort of, um, set the standard, set the bar, um, you know, mentor those younger players. So by the time they're sophomores and juniors, they're ready to step in. I think that's a win-win. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so what is it that you're, you're looking for in players? So you're, you're a former D. So if you're, you're going out and you're looking at D, what are the attributes that you're looking for in those D that, that really make you get your attention? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it as a staff, like we like gritty players, you know, but you know, depending on our needs and, and we don't have to talk about our whole roster right now, but, you know, at, at different moments, you're looking for maybe more of a stay at stay at home D, you know, a different, a different moment. Okay. We've got, we've got a bunch of stay at home D we need to be able to create some offense. So we feel really good with, with where we're at um, in filling the holes right now. Perfect. All right. So I need to ask a goalie question because I, I always do just for uh, there's always goalie parents who ping me with questions. Uh, <laughs> any thoughts on what it's like to go uh, to recruit goalies and, and from the player side, you know, what's your perspective? Because it's really tight on goalies, very hard to find open positions at the D1 level. Still lots of opportunity at the D3 level, but any, any thoughts or perspective on, uh, you know, uh, on what, what's going on with goalies? Yeah, we're, you know, we're trying to find our one, two right now. Um, you know, and we did some juggling this year with the three goalies that we have. When you talk about going out on the road, I mean, it's a team effort. Um, you know, my eye tends to go to the players. Kiersey has um, an eye for the goalies. You know, she's worked with goalies in her her previous jobs. So that was kind of one thing. So I think she nat naturally gravitates towards that. But yeah, there's just not not as many spots as player spots. So it's a tough it's a tough deal. And, and to be honest, we're still, we're still trying to figure our situation out. Gotcha. Okay. Last couple of questions. So um, what advice do you have for players or parents as they start this process for uh, the the class of 2025? Any, any perspective? Uh, you've been doing this now several years, you, you know, when you include your time at St. Cloud State, what's, what's, yeah. what's your advice that you have? I mean, if, if you're sure, you're sure, you know, that's one thing, like you, you commit on the spot, but from 2023 to 2025, that's a long, that's, there's, there's a big distance there, like a big period of time. So a lot of things can change in two years. So I'm always more on the side of, you know, taking your time um, with the process because the, the school can change, the coaches can change you're changing, you know, your game is going to change in two years. So um, that would be my advice, you know, to, to, to find the right fit, to have enough patience um, to find the right fit because, uh, you know, we see, and it, the rule I think has helped, but when you were able to commit as an eighth grader, you know, it doesn't always work out because there's so much time that has passed. Um, so that would be my two cents. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Last question. So uh, I understand Maine is putting on some summer camps this summer. So maybe you want to tell folks about uh, what's going on with those camps and, and how they can sign up and, and who, who, who the, all those different camps are for. 
Yeah, so Jan is working on that right now. Um, those are going to happen in July, towards the end of July. Um, and I think she's in the moment, you know, working on the registration and putting those pieces together. Historically, Maine has had the camps. And so we're trying to figure out, you know, what to take from what it was and then how we want to kind of do it on our own. Um, but yeah, great opportunity to come and see to see campus, spend some time with us, skate on Alphon on the arena um, and get the experience of of what it's like here. You know, like I would say, if you if you think, I mean, if you want to have a big city experience, you, you don't want to be considering Orono, you know, it's a small town, it's a small place. And that's why I love it. Um, so to be able to come up and, and, and like I said, experience that and figure out, does this feel good or is this maybe not, not the right fit? Perfect. Awesome. Well, Molly, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Champs App Podcast. It's great to learn yeah. about your background, your amazing professional career and, and world uh, national level career, and then obviously hearing about what your plans are for Maine. So thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I want to thank Molly for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed hearing about what it took for her to become a world-class player. It was also very interesting to hear her plans for the Black Bear program and how she plans to take the team to the next level. You can connect with Molly on the Maine Women's Hockey website or her Champs app profile. Links to both are in the show notes. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to share more about the app in Champs app. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know I spend a lot of time talking with coaches, parents, and players about the hockey recruiting process. One of the key questions that people want to know is, how does a player get noticed by college coaches? While there are many ways to be discovered, the easiest way to get on a college's radar is to send a coach an email and provide them all the information they need to assess if you are a player worth keeping their eyes on. That's where the app part of Champs app comes in. Champs app was designed based on all the conversations and feedback we received about the recruiting process, and we built a tool to help players and coaches connect with a ton of the information they want to know. It all starts with creating a free, beautiful Champs app profile. After that, there are some pretty magical things that can happen to help make the recruiting process a little less overwhelming. Your Champs app profile includes all the basic academic, personal, and athletic information coaches want to know. Then, by including video, schedule information, and your coach's contact details, colleges can easily start their evaluation process. You just copy and paste your personalized link and send it to coaches so they can see your public player profile without even having to log in or create a Champs app account. Or you can connect directly with coaches on Champs app. More and more coaches are creating their own Champs app profiles and connecting with players themselves every day. Now coaches can have all the information they need to assess where you might fit in their recruiting plans. Even better, college coaches can track your progress throughout the winter and showcase seasons, because as you make changes to your profile, coaches will get notified to your updates. And in the future, we will be adding even more amazing features to improve your visibility to the recruiting process and hopefully increase your odds of success. If you want to see what a player or coach profile looks like before you start your own, look in the show notes to see some examples. My kids and I have used Champs app for their recruiting process. In fact, my son was invited to a AAA tryout thanks to his Champs app profile. So go to www.champs.app and start your player or coach profile. It only takes about 15 to 20 minutes to complete most of your key information. Good luck, and please let us know how it helped with your recruiting journey.